Welcome to this week's edition of How'd You Like That Movie? We are continuing our little path down this horror highway. And this week, we are talking Poltergeist, both the original and remake reboot. But all I need to say is, Chris, this house is clean. Oh, see, I never know if you're going to take like a typical one or if you're going to have some obscure quote that nobody could possibly get. So they're here. That was in both movies. You, you said you didn't. You only have one from the original. Welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? And as Scott said, we're talking about Poltergeist from 1982, the classic, and remake, reboot, you decide, from 2015. All right, Scott, which one do you want to do first? And take us away. I think we should go reboot 2015 first, because I figure, like for me, I don't really have much to say about this movie. Okay. And I have a lot more that we're probably going to discuss about the original I'm Agreed. pretty sure that's what the critics had. Not much to say about this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, I don't have much to say about this movie. I'm here all week. <laughs> but no, in terms of this movie, obviously, I was disappointed. This was my first time watching it. I never watched it before until this. And I'm never watching it again. Nope, never, never, never am. Um, and the reason why I'm disappointed is just because of the creative minds behind this. Like first, you know, having the balls to try to remake this movie, the original, which is a classic and having Sam Raimi produce it. And he, what's Sam Raimi done out there in the, uh, the old horror world? Has he done anything we might know of? Uh, evil dead, uh, drag me to hell, evil dead Two. Army of Darkness. Um, he was also producer on Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. With and I think, Kevin didn't Servo. he do Xena as well? Xena, that was a spinoff, yeah. And obviously I was being facetious when I said, like, Sam Raimi, has he done anything? Spider-Man, yeah. one, two, three. He did Spider-Man as well. He had the dancing um, Tobey Maguire in part three. But And he's one of my favorite directors. Like, I love Sam Raimi. And he's dealing with, like, a, and we're going to get to it, a really classic story, script, premise. Like, people know this thing. So to come in there, you've got these big guns, and you think they fucked it up or what? Well, somewhat. But also, even the director of this movie, Gil, Gil Keenan. Yep. I love fucking Monster House. For a kid's horror movie animated it it is fucking good like they might have they should have just remade that into live action with him that would have been cool actually then then do this i think this movie was detrimental for calling it poltergeist if this was just family insert family here moving into haunted house it probably would have done well but calling it it, it's it's actually actually when you make those parallels right because essentially that's what uh monster house is essentially right yeah um He's actually the, one of the co-writers on the upcoming uh, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, eh? Who is? The director. Really? Gil Keenan, yeah. yeah. Like, I think he is talented. Like, I like him. But I think it was detrimental calling this movie Poltergeist. Like, it, 
try to try to change enough that it was skipping the beats. So you had obviously spoilers. Like the clown stuff is right at the beginning, right? Just got it out of the way. Yeah, you know, because everyone's are... expecting it. Exactly, right? And then the one thing I did like about this movie was that the older sibling that was played by Saxon Sabrino. Yep. Um, she actually had more to do in this movie than in the original, right? She, she was, she was more inter instrumental into the plot. Yeah. 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 Than, than the original, but like the son being fucking scared all the time, like that just annoyed the shit out of me. So, I mean, they did stick to the kind of the basic premise of the original Poltergeist, right? You know, family moves in. I mean, it had Sam Rockwell. That, yeah, and that I love of, Sam, Sam Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell was good in it, man. Because I, I feel like Sam Rockwell, except when he's playing like George W. Bush, he plays, he's Sam Rockwell. And he's he's got that energy to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the other thing I don't understand, too, is why in this movie, why does the dad have to be down on his luck? And then he's at the, like, obviously, spoilers, when he's at the um, home hardware, wherever the fuck he is. Yeah. And credit card's declining. Credit card's declining. Because it's funny. Credit card's declining. Then he gets one to work, but what does he do? Buys a bunch of riches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Because that's what dads do, baby. <laughs> no, it just kind of made him like, why the fuck would you do that, right? Like, you're such a cheapskate. Like, you don't even care about no, your family. No, he's, he's not a cheapskate. He's not good with money. That was That's the whole point of that. Oh man! Hey, he but, wants to be Big Daddy, man. He comes it, home, everybody gets gifts, and I think that was the thing. Like it was like they gave him a flaw to give him a flaw, right? Like that. At no point is it doesn't advance the plot or yeah, advance 100%. the character at all. Yeah, right? because him not having money or having money or having a job. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, they could. Well, I don't even know why he didn't have a job or he lost his job, and like she barely has a job. Like none of that really needed to be done. They could have just had jobs, bought a house. But yeah, like how do you not have a how, how do you have how a, do you get um, a mortgage <laughs> in that situation? He laid off from John Deere. The wife's a writer that hasn't written anything and's been what off work for two years. Yeah, how the fuck do you get a mortgage? America, baby, America. <laughs> But that was the thing. I'm like, this makes no point, like no sense to me. Uh, do you like Sam Rockwell as an actor? Oh yeah, I love him. Do you got a favorite film that he's been in? Doesn't have to be that the film is your favorite, but is there a film that you really like him in? Charlie's Angels, the original. Mm. When he like does that full turn into the bad guy and just starts doing the dance and stuff like that, I'll, I'll, that's where I fell in love with him. He's I'll a like great him. character actor. You yep. know what I mean? But go ahead. I really, uh, I really like. Well, actually, and I've already touched on this. I really like him as uh, George W. Bush in Vice. He plays kind of like, you know. kind of stupid, kind of like, come on, Dick Cheney, you just, you just help me out here, or whatever. He's almost kind of like Will Ferrelly, but a bit, a bit more real. You know, what I mean, a bit, of, a bit less of a caricature. And he was good in Jojo Rabbit. Yes, he was good in Jojo. This film actually didn't have a fantastic cast for the most part. Like honestly, <clears throat> other than Sam Rockwell. I would say that Jared uh, Jared Harris is probably like the biggest actor in it, uh, and he's done uh, basically he redid the role that Zelda Rubenstein's character put did the paranormal investigator. But and now it's like totally two thousands or yeah, he's yeah, a reality, it's like reality TV, TV show, show or whatever, right? Uh, but he was great in Chernobyl, and he's great in Mad Men as well, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I'm not gonna like I said, like the amount of talent that was in this movie. That's what made it disappointing. Right? Well, there wasn't a ton of acting talent. There was like two good actors. No, I, I would I would say Jane Adams was what did well, and like even 
Like I said, Saxon Sabrino. I thought she did well as the older sibling. Okay, like, well, so out of all those actors, okay. So you got Sam Rockwell, which everybody knows. He's, you know, like Vice, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Moon, yada, 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 Green Mile. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Jared Harris is really, really big in a lot of like kind of premium cable TV stuff. Rosemary DeWitts. I mean, the best role I've seen her in is when she plays uh, Midge Daniels on Mad Men, basically like the bohemian kind of uh, woman on the side to uh, Don Draper. Outside of that, though, the rest of those actors, like, come on, like, do you have any of their credits there? Like, no, I think the whole point was getting unknowns, right? Yeah, and like, they're gonna. A lot of them have stayed unknown. <laughs> okay, but if you think if, if we're doing compare and contrast, they did the same thing with the original. Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, and Jill we'll get Beth to that because, uh, you know, and I mean, we're, we're going to be talking about it really soon. The original 1982 Poltergeist is a huge film, money-wise. Spielberg, a whole bunch of other stuff. And yeah, that cast, for the most part, nothing. Anyway, on that, Poltergeist 2015, it did okay. $35 million budget, made $95 million bucks back. Did not do well with critics or with an audience. It's got a 31% uh, from the critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And the audience, even better, with 22%. That is... Like, I'm almost impressed. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think it's because it was named Poltergeist. Like, the, I think the title of this movie, it's one of the one of the times that I think it, it was completely detrimental to this movie, was naming it this. Did you like anything about the movie, though? Before we move on to, like, the big guns. No, like, like it was decent. That's the thing, but it's not going to be rewatchable for me. Um, I didn't like the one thing I did. Actually, the one thing I actually enjoyed more of this than the original was the little girl getting taken, actually seeing it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. her going into the closet, then the hands coming and grabbing her. Yeah, some of the some of the stuff from the outer world was like kind of interesting. Like you said, when they they send the camera in there and you can see all the spirit world and stuff like that. Yeah, like I mean, I guess it's 2015. The special effects are a little bit better, right? Yeah, like uh, I I liked how technically like what it reminded me the outer world was was literally the scene in Aliens when. They're going into the core reactor, and then the walls and everything are actually the xenomorphs, right? Because yeah. when they start mur- the walls start morphing, and those are the spirits. It was all right, like for visual effects. Like I'm more practical. I like the practical. I thought it was really heavy on the CGI, but but that I did enjoy. Other than that, yeah, it's forgettable. So before we move on, would you would you recommend it? Would you watch it again? No, I won't watch it again. And I really wouldn't recommend it at all, right? Not when you have the... I think this is one of the cases where, like, the original outperforms this so much that there's no point watching the new one. So, I guess now it's time to talk about the classic 1982 Poltergeist. Steven Spielberg... I don't know. Take it away, Scott. What do you think? We we already know your opinion on the 2015 remake. So what do you think? Like, I love this movie. Like, this to me is like what it, technically the original sh- or the remake should have been, but there's no point because you have this. But like everything to me felt authentic. Yeah. Right. Like that family dynamic felt authentic. Right. Like you fell in love with that family. Right. Because like. Putting your kids to bed, mom and dad's having a joint, 
right? Just shooting the shit, talking. Like he oh, and that's la- actually something they changed in the remake. They're drinking. Or trying to have sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was like, get out of those pants. And then that's... But... And in terms of, like, when the, the shit happens, right? And girl, like, Carrie Ann's gone. And then they bring in the psychic, right? Like, Craig T. Nelson as, I think, one of the most authentic... Um, responses to that like because you made it feel like when he's she was like asking a question and then he's all quiet and then the wife's like you gotta answer and he's like i am with my mind right to try to see, yeah, like, yeah, yeah like say say like she's a fake like why like this is bullshit are, yeah, and like, this why is the like fuck are we doing ooh. this right um what about yourself like uh okay so first off as everybody knows who's been listening to our podcast i don't really like horror films um, I remember Poltergeist scaring the shit out of me, uh, to the point that even when Scott and I were, or you and I, I guess, were discussing which which films to do, and we were like, "Yeah, we'll do this one because we can kind of go back to back with it." I was like, "Oh man, that movie's so scary." I'll tell you, I rewatched it. It is the cheesiest piece of fucking shit I have seen in a while. I'm telling you, the more we do like podcasts and I do deep dives and I revisit some stuff from like my past. I mean, it definitely reminds me of, again, like that kind, very typical 80s nostalgia. It's, it has a very, it's so Spielberg, Spielberg wrote it, Spielberg produced it. Uh, Spielberg directed it. Okay. And we are going to talk <laughs> about that. Um, and you know what? I watch it and it feels Spielberg. Yeah. Like it definitely has that, that like Spielberg magic, you know, E.T., which yes, was also made in the same year, which mm. is. Okay, we might as well talk about this right now. Let's do it. The reason Spielberg, depending on who you talk to, he either didn't direct it, half directed it, and or all the way directed it. Technically, he couldn't direct it because right. there was a clause in his contract for ET that he would not be working on another film. So, but he was on set, he was producing, he was producing, and a lot of people talk about the fact that there are definitely scenes that seem very much like Spielberg did it. And then you talk to cast and crew, and they're like. Depending on what day they were on set, Spielberg was either behind the camera or um, who's the director of this again? Toby Hopper. That's right. Or Toby Hopper, I believe. So there was actually a big discussion and there was even like a lawsuit after the fact about uh, Spielberg basically implying that he was the director and stuff. And I think I think this quote really kind of summarizes that. So it's a critic report from The Washington Post after the film came out and it said... It's Gary Arnold from the Washington Post, and he says, Looks and feels decidedly patchy, as if it had been assembled by different hands, frequently working at cross-purpose. So, to me, that's exactly what happens when you get essentially two directors with two visions trying to work on the same film. Yeah, so now, when I was doing the deep dive on this, too, from what I saw, yes, he did have that clause, but... E.T. was delayed. That's why he was able to be on set. And, um, oh, my God, I'm having the brain fart. But but the, that doesn't mean that, like, just because he, if he's on set, he needs to let the director do his job. You know what yes, I mean? And not but, be breathing down his neck all the time. Apparently, he's the one that did all the casting. He's the one that did all the storyboarding. But Tobe Hopper did, and that's where the lawsuit did, say, say that he did half of the, half of the, um, 
the director story, no the storyboarding as oh well. half the storyboarding yeah 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 and uh yes the cast member and i'm having her name because you just like brain fart because you just said her name but the clairvoyant um oh zelda zelda rubenstein she literally came out and said like this was all Spielberg. Like he's the one that gave us all the direction. He's the one that was on set. But that might've been the days she was on set. Remember cast or not on set for the whole production. She was, she was only on set for 12 days. Yeah. 12 days. So, but I mean, let's, let's talk about, uh, is it Hopper or Hopper? Hopper, right? I believe it's Hopper. It's got two O's. So Mm. he directed, co-wrote and produced the original 1974 Chainsaw Massacre. Which got him this movie. Technically it was going to get him E.T. Because Poltergeist was the movie Spielberg wanted to direct. Really? Right? And he gave him E.T., Hopper said no, and then gave him the unfinished Poltergeist. Hopper said yes to that. Well, I mean, I I would say that, like, Poltergeist is more in his wheelhouse, right? Imagine the guy that did Texas Chainsaw Massacre does E.T.? I think it would be good. I mean, it could have been really good. He also did the, um, I don't know if you have ever seen it, but the original Salem's Lot TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. He directed that as well, right? Yeah. And that's one of the scariest scenes when that little kid's up up at the window, like, let me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he also directed uh, Billy Idol's, uh, it's either White Wedding or Rebel Yell. So, I mean, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But he had, he's basically been in part of, I think, everything to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Produced on Leatherface, executive produced on Leatherface, directed part two, Worked on the prequels, all that. So he definitely has the like the horror chops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not find this movie scary. I found it super cheesy. Well, it's a PG movie. There's no killing. Yeah, but I mean, okay. So this thing did fantastic. It had a $10.7 million budget, and it made $122 million in 1982. Like, that's that's those are massive numbers. It was the eighth highest grossing film of 1982. Oh, what was number one? Do you want to go? Do you want to go that way, or do you want to go up? Whichever way you want. I already know what's number one. Okay, so at number eight is Poltergeist. Number seven, 48 Hours. Number six, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Oh, at number five, Porky's. Now I want to talk about Porky's for a sec. For those of you that don't know, we're here in Canada. Porky's for the longest time, actually up until 2002 when My Big Fat Greek Wedding came out, Porky's was the highest grossing Canadian film. And at this t- as of this recording, it has made $136 million on a $5 million budget. Like Porky's is like the big Canadian con- contribution to like big budget films. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was number five. And then in our top, we've got Rocky Three. An Officer and a Gentleman, number two is Tootsie, and Spielberg rounds it out with E.T. as the top grossing film of 1982. Now, in 82, these movies came out, I believe it was a month apart? I think so, yeah. They were both summer summer films. And the whole point was Spielberg wanted these movies as back-to-backs for drive-ins. So it would be E.T. and then Poltergeist right after. So that's, that's a good idea. So that's probably why a lot of what Poltergeist gross is, is the back-to-back of people watching E.T. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I don't know how they break that down, though, at a drive-in, though. I don't know. Fuck, I don't work in a drive-in. Well, I mean, <laughs> Poltergeist still holds up. It's got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience still has it at 79. Um, and the New York Times rated it in its uh, top 
thousand best movies. This is as of 2003. No fucking way this movie is one of the top thousand movies ever made. Not oh, yeah, a fucking for chance. For sure. No, not a fucking chance. A thousand, a thousand fucking movies. Just think man. of how many movies there are made every single year going back until like the 19, you know, 1915 or something okay. like that. Really? You think this is one of the best films ever made? Well, it has two things going for it. Spielberg and what? And? The fucking family dynamic. Really? Buddy, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I can't believe we even do a movie podcast together. Like, think about it. Like, this movie... You yourself, you're like, this movie's gonna scare me. This yeah. movie scared me And then shitless. I rewatched it as an adult, and I'm like, this movie is fucking garbage and boring, and, and whole, I hope I don't ever have to watch it again. And, I, and the whole time I told you, this movie's not scary, Okay, man. It's PG. Okay, it's how about this? PG. The AFI, the American Film Institute has this as number 84 on its 100 years of 100 thrills. Do you I'm, think it's do you think it is one of the top 100 yes, This fuck, movie is up give there. Give me a fucking break. I don't even watch horror and if this is in the top 100 But that's the thing. It's a genre. You can't just pick 100 dramas. You can't just pick 100 comedies. It's the 100 top movies. So No, no, no. This no, no. is going to no, take no, 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 no. AFI said that this is one of its it's in the 100 years of 100 thrills. So this is one of the it is number 84. So 100 Horror movies yes. or 100 thrillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be fucking 85 because it's fucking PG. You think it's that scary? No, it's a good movie. Like, what, hypothetically, you probably don't even know because you didn't, what would be Ghostbusters? I bet you Ghostbusters is on this list. Yeah, but Ghostbusters, okay. But Ghostbusters is a comedy. How is that scary? Well, it depends on what metric you're using. Ghostbusters is a really good movie that's really well written, has great character development. Same this with this fu- movie. No, I disagree. I 100% disagree with you. Obviously, smarter people than me, though, did decide to give it three nominations for Oscars for editing, or sorry, sound editing, visual effects, and score. Score, sorry. And it got beat out by E.T. And it got beat out by E.T., yeah. yeah. So Jerry Goldsmith did the score for this, and this guy is, man, he's another one of these phenomenal uh, composers. 18 Academy Awards, worked on Star Trek, Rambo, Gremlins, The Mummy, like... Very, very, very solid composer. And he only has one Academy Award. Kind of crazy, actually. No. Now, do you want to talk about the Poltergeist curse? Yes, we should definitely talk about it. That's probably the most fucking interesting about this whole movie is the curse that goes along with it. Like, literally, like, when we're, we're watching this and my son was watching it with me. So he's nine. And then the scene comes with the skeletons. And I'm like, those are real dead bodies. He, his eyes just fucking lit up. What the ones in the in the pool? Yeah, those are real. What do you mean they're real? Those are real cadavers. Uh, how, seriously? Yeah. Oh wow, I did not know that. Yeah, those are real cadavers, and it's not the first time that real cadavers are used in movies. Well, yeah, they use them in Apocalypse Now, and House on Haunting Hill, the original with Vincent Price, Frankenstein, any the kind of things B-movie. you could do back in the olden days. You could. Well, you could smoke in the car with your children, and you could use real live corpses in your films. Well, think about it. If you're a B movie, well, and you said, what was this budget on this one again? On the original Poltergeist? Yeah. Uh, $10.7 million. So, yeah. So, you're keeping your budget down. By using real bodies? It's cheaper to go to a medical storage facility and just grabbing a dead body and throwing it in there, like a skeleton, than having somebody actually sculpt one. So, I would say that that's a creepy kind of disgusting aspect of this film, but let's get more into the curse because four actors, depending on how you want to look at it, four actors have died that are associated with this film. 
but two under like super suspicious or not suspicious, not tragic suspicious. Yes, circumstances. Tragic. Right. So do you want to touch on that a bit? Well, there's Dominique Dunn who played the oldest daughter. This is horrible. When I yeah. read this, this was so horrible. She was brutally killed by her boyfriend. She was strangled in her driveway during the daytime by her ex-boyfriend. A week after this movie came out. Yeah. Yes. But like, that that's, again, it's not a curse. She was like 22, the, though. Like Yeah, like that. that's tragic. The, I think the thing that's more tragic than that happening to her is that the boyfriend only got two years. Yeah. And he's now changed his name and... He's out. Right? Yeah, like, that. I mean, that was that I was such a horrible. The when I read that, I was like, "Man, I cannot believe that this woman was like strangled mm. in her own driveway at twenty someone years old." Not that anybody should be strangled in their driveway, but just so young. And the film had just basically come out. Yes. Um, but then the big one is the is Heather O'Rourke who played Carol Ann. Carol Ann uh, dies at twelve years old after being like basically getting sick, getting rushed to the hospital, having surgery, and then dying the next day. Actually, she was misdiagnosed. They were treating her for Crohn disease. Oh, okay. So you've got more information on this because I didn't have that background information. Yes. See, after watching Poltergeist, I got me a Shudder subscription and I started watching Cursed Films show, which I really recommend because I got it's hooked. It has me hooked. But we actually get no money from what he's saying right now. I wish Shudder. I I even tagged him on a post hoping that they would fucking start, you know, advertising here. That didn't happen. But um but the show is really good. And one of the episodes is um on Poltergeist and they discussed how she was diagnosed. Like, they thought she had something else. Uh, they thought she had Crohn's disease. We're treating her for Crohn's disease, but she actually had a um, general birth defect in which she was obviously misdiagnosed, and it was, like, fecal matter in her uh, intestines that just built, and then all of a sudden it burst, and then it was just toxic. toxic yeah, like poison. toxic shock. Yeah. So, and that's how, unfortunately, she died. They actually, the director, because this was right when Poltergeist 3 wasn't even finished yet. It wasn't filled. Because uh, she, she's in all three Poltergeists, is she not? Yes, except for the end of Poltergeist Because she three. was dead? Yes. You're, you're such an asshole. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, the director of Poltergeist 3, because he's in that film, he actually, they didn't want, he didn't want to finish it. The producers didn't want to finish the movie out of respect for her. The studio. So of course we, the studio. The they're fucking like, ghouls of the they're studio. They're like, we invested way too much money into this. So the ending of that movie, of Poltergeist 3, isn't what originally was supposed to happen. And it's actually a body double at the end. That's why you don't see her face. Ah, interesting. But the other ones that I thought was way better in terms of the curse is Poltergeist 2, the actor who plays... Um, you talking the old man? Not the old man. Or the indigenous guy. The indigenous guy. He died of um, malnutrition. And malnutrition? What malnutrition. Do you mean? And it was uh, another thing. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Because the old man died of like cancer or something like that. Yes. But he, the, uh, the indigenous gentleman, I'm going to try to grab his name while I'm. He's actually reading. the, he's the same actor that. Uh, is in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I believe. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the same actor. Uh, While you look that up. Will Sampson, he played Taylor. Yeah. But interesting part 
they were talking about in this show. During the filming of Poltergeist 2, he actually um, is a shaman in real life. He was. Oh, wow. They had him after hours to come perform an exorcism on the set of that film. Of Poltergeist 2. Just to make sure, like, no bad juju happened. Yeah. Apparently, they, they felt bad juju, so they brought it brought him in to do that. So, as, as I was saying when we were talking about the remake, uh, the 2015 remake, I mean, this cast, I mean, well, two of them died, which is extremely tragic. Not a lot of, like, big deal cast members here. Like, Joe Beth Williams, I mean, Kramer versus Kramer, the big chill. Uh, I actually have an interesting little factoid on Craig Nielsen. So obviously he was on coach from 1989 to 1997. Uh, he's, you know, film TV character actor, a bit of a writer. So he's doing an interview and he talks about how he had been on welfare and food stamps. And in the same interview goes on to complain that the government shouldn't waste public funds on helping the needy. I'm like, you fucking dick. Like, this is after he had made it. He's like, yeah, I've been on food stamps, but blah, 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 blah. You know? Nobody helped me. It's like, what do you think food stamps and welfare is, dude? I I don't have a comment. I'm not getting political here. and I, just I, I, was, I, I don't know the reference of it. Like, yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. Hear I just it. thought it was interesting to have, have both of those statements in the same interview. I don't you know. know he seems like such a nice guy, though. And, okay. So, do you remember the... the uh, so the actor's name is Richard Lawson. He's the black doctor in the original, right? Yeah. So he was the cameraman or the AV guy. Yes. Do you know who he's married to? No. Beyonce's mom. That isn't that says a random, random factor. Beyonce's mom has always been a friend of his like late sister. And then they like hooked up in like, I don't know, 2015 or something. I was like, huh, that's interesting. All right, that is interesting. Beyonce's but... mom has got it going on. <laughs> As, if. <laughs> As if. But in terms of casting, I would say Joe Beth Williams is the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah, like, she's fabulous. She's fabulous. Like, you just feel like you feel like she is the mom. You feel right? like she's a mom? I do. Yeah. She's a MILF. She's a MILF <laughs> in this movie. Right? Like the little like exorcism, like ghost maybe raping her not raping her i don't know but it kind of seems like it when after she takes the bath and she lies on her bed and oh. then the, the thing starts shooting up her um yeah 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 yeah, her, yeah. Uh, her skirt or her shirt and then starts carrying her off the wall it seemed like a rape scene which kind of they do again in the sequel they do they do but then do it's the, the guy possessed getting raped so do you, they're actually so the Russo brothers have decided to remake this again. No, fuck you. Yeah, man, I'm looking at it right now on Wikipedia. It says that, oh, you gotta trust Wikipedia. No, it says as of April 2019, the Russo brothers would helm a new remake. So hopefully they do a better job than like the 2015 one. Hopefully, in my opinion, they actually do a scary film here. Like, I don't know, man. I just I think this was one of these films that should stay. In the 80s. And that's kind of all I have to say. Because I'm not fucking recommending this movie to anybody. Well, God. My question is, how the fuck am I doing a podcast about movies with you? If you don't like classics. Like, it's not about the scares. Right? It it was a well done film. Listen, man. It is. I've said this before. A a thousand, a thousand, a million, a billion flies eat shit. It doesn't mean it's good. Okay. But think about it. Just the aesthetic of this film. Right? Right? It's a film done in the suburbs, right? 
And it's not that they moved into this house in the original. They've been living there for a while. And then it starts fucking hitting the fan. What does that have? How does that make the movie better? You, it just can because you happen I, to I you. saw the movie, it can I don't need to you to tell me this. It could happen to you. I don't. You. I don't. That was need the whole to... point. Like it's. It's like once. Once we discuss Halloween, it's the same scenario ah, where you know what, and that's yeah. We're definitely going to talk about scenario. that. And that's one of the issues with the remake of Halloween. But I don't want to get into that too much. Um, but I've seen the movie. I don't need you to tell me the story. That doesn't make the story better just because you're telling it to me like fucking Mother Goose. Anyway, <laughs> Fuck that's you. all I've got to say. So, Scott, feel free to like jerk this movie off a little bit more. Oh my god! And then talk us out whenever you're ready. Whenever, whenever you're done over there. Um, (laughs) All right, hit us up on Twitter at How Do You Like That One, or you can email us and please email us. Or no, actually, we need the we need the tweets. Like, just fucking tweet. Also, give us a five star rating on Apple iTunes. Yeah. Like and subscribe. If you don't like what you heard, try again next week. We're always trying to get better. And that is a wrap. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.